Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Able Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Rhoda Bernard, Founding Managing Director of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, and I am proud to present this podcast featuring disabled artists and arts educators. We are inviting artists with disabilities to be guest hosts for the Able Voices Podcast. Today's guest host is actress and playwright Grace Everett. Grace is a proud queer woman and an autistic self-advocate who is always happy to help educate others about accessibility and disability activism. She hopes to spread awareness and acceptance through performing and writing. Grace has been active in the arts since age nine. She started out with improv and later moved on to community theater. Some of the favorite musical theater roles that she has played include the title role in Carrie and Joe March in Little Women. Grace graduated high school at Ovation Academy of Performing Arts in McKinney, Texas, and now she is at DePaul University in Chicago, where she studies and trains as a member of one of the country's most selective undergraduate playwriting programs. Grace was a writer from the time she could read, but she started writing plays at age 15. Her first play, The Last Sunrise of August 1973, is award-winning, and several of her other plays have been performed across America by various youth theaters and professional companies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Able Voices podcast. Able Voices is a podcast interviewing and featuring disabled artists talking about their careers, their lives, everything in between. My name is Grace Everett, and I am currently your guest host. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I am an actress and playwright on the autism spectrum. And today, I am going to be interviewing Meredith Aaliyah Wells, who is absolutely amazing. We've had the privilege of getting to meet in person. So, Meredith, if you want to just, like, introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about you and about who you are as an artist. Yeah, um, my name is Meredith. I use they and she pronouns. I'm currently based in Chicago. I'm originally from Massachusetts, and I'm an actor, singer, dancer, all those things together separately depends on the gig, and I'm also a writer. Awesome. So I want to start out with just like, what your artistic journey has looked like so far? How did you get started in the arts? Yeah, um, I would say how I got started um, is fairly ordinary, if I'm being honest. I auditioned for the musical in middle school 100% because all of my friends were doing it, you know, peer pressure. <laughs> what show was it? It was High School Musical, the musical, just peak middle school musical um, repertoire. I sang Conga by Gloria Estefan, which hmm. I think I always looked back on as being like the weirdest choice. But in hindsight, you know, Sharpay's bop to the top and Conga are like similar-ish style, at least to a seventh grader. So, you know, go middle school mare. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I didn't make the musical in sixth grade, but I came back in seventh grade, landed the role of Annie in Annie, Ooh. did the thing, got bit by the bug, as they say, <laughs> and I said, I want to be a performer when I grow up. Because, you know, I was a kid and I didn't know any better. 
and well and now here you are so I guess it works yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know no one took me seriously back then but I just never grew up or grew out of saying I want to be a performer when I grow up and that's kind of just been my path I've just kept going despite all the obstacles that I've encountered and I've just basically stopped at nothing to keep fighting for this childhood dream and that's how I'm here that's awesome so do you have any, I guess, like pivotal career moments that you feel really helped you get to where you are today as an artist? I would say that a pivotal moment for me was like becoming disabled in college and feeling like, I don't, I don't know if interest is the word, but feeling as though professors and artists that colleagues around me that really believed in me and like supported me, it was like, I started to kind of feel that support dwindle and I started to feel like opportunities just weren't coming to me in the same way as pre-disability. And so, you know, I think I learned a very pivotal lesson during that time. That's like, if an opportunity is not being handed to you, you have the opportunity to create your own opportunity. Yes. And so I think like I came to writing and playwriting out of necessity because I'm disabled. And so I think like, knowing that and um, making that happen in college, like that was a very pivotal moment that I have control over my own career, basically. Yeah. And I've just, you know, there's other gigs that I've done throughout my career that um, have meant a lot to me. You know, I think that being in the dance company and touring and you know doing my first broadway national tour those were all things that um really just hold a special place in my heart and felt like really big milestones in my career but like when i really think back on it that moment that i realized like i have the control over like my career in that way to be able to create my own opportunities was probably the most pivotal moment yeah i love that can you share just a little bit about like what that experience was like being on a Broadway national tour, especially as an artist with a disability, like how it might be different and what people might want to know about that? I think that being disabled in this industry comes with a lot of challenges, but because of that, it's also so rewarding when I get to take the stage or I get to see other performers with disabilities take the stage. I think that acting is meant to be a reflection of the human experience and too often 15% of our population, the 15% with disabilities is not reflected or represented on stage. And so I feel incredibly honored every time I get to glide across the stage and know that someone in that audience might feel more seen in this world because of it. And when I get to connect with those audience members, sometimes stage during and things like that, like, it's always really special. And yeah, it's hard and there's challenges. But at the end of the day, it's incredibly rewarding because of that. Nice. And just so people know, what what was the tour that you did? I was on the tour of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. And um, that's awesome. Yeah, I was the first person in a wheelchair to be in a Broadway national tour. And that it's like crazy to say those (laughs) words like that doesn't even feel real. You're the first person like ever in a wheelchair to be in any Broadway national tour. 
Yeah. Whoa. That's amazing. How does that feel? Good. And like, that's like to my, to my knowledge, to the knowledge of every press person, every, like, no one has been able, every time they fact checked it, they have not found anyone else. There is no record of anyone else, at least. So, um, yeah, it's believed that I am the first, which is insane. Um, I, yeah, an incredible honor. That's, that's awesome. So I know that people are really curious about sort of what the arts education that you received looked like. So how did you study the arts and how do you continue to learn both by, you know, taking classes and also by learning by doing and auditioning and stuff? So I very much consider myself a multidisciplinary artist. So my education has consisted of a lot of things. Um, I took up percussion in the fifth grade. I studied that for seven years um, until I switched to French horn and mellophone. After proclaiming, I want to be a performer for a living, when I was in middle school, um, I enrolled in classes at uh, Capuchoni School of Performing Arts in Massachusetts. I studied musical theater and acting with them after school, and I participated in basically every performing arts class extracurricular that there was in my high school. I did chorus, I did band, I did show choir. I started an acapella group. I was the drum major of the high school's marching band. I was in the spring musical. And from there, I went on to study music, theater, and dance at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. That's when I became disabled. So up until that time, I was, you know, I was was studying, doing the thing. Um, And then, you know, my education really shifted and I had to really advocate for myself, to be in classes, to make spaces accessible for me. And that's around the same time that, you know, back to what I was saying before, where it's just where I started learning that lesson, that I had to create my own opportunities. And that's when I took on my capstone project of writing and performing and producing my one person musical in college. And that was my, you know, educational career. It's been very varied and consisted of a lot of things, but just adapting and figuring out where I fit. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that you have this mentality of, of making space for yourself if other people aren't going to do it for you, because unfortunately, that is how the world works sometimes. But we got to find empowerment in that. So I know you mentioned your one person musical. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that, about what it's about, about what the just the premise of it is in general and what that experience was like to perform in it? So my one-person musical is called Dysfunctioning Just Fine. It's basically a queer and chronically ill coming-of-age story about my diagnosis journey and my parallel journey of my first queer relationship, my capstone project in uh, college. And then after I graduated, I took it on a, a... a school tour in the Northeast, and which culminated in the final performance of it at Triskillian Arts in Brooklyn, which was part of the My True Colors Festival. And at the festival, I won the Purple Skies Playwright Award for my debut playwriting. Congratulations! So, thank you. Yeah, so that was really exciting. I don't think I ever expected it to take off in the way that it did. 
But yeah, it's just another reason why that whole experience was such a pivotal moment of my career. And it felt incredibly cathartic to like just get out all the frustration from the past two years of that journey. But also there was something really special about being able to put my whole story out there and be like, this is my disability. This is all the things that I'm always getting questions about. And I know that everyone's curious, like what happened to me? Like what's going on? Now you all know, now can we just move on to acting? Now can we just focus on performing? Now that you know my story, can we just like move on? (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine that's got to be really nice to just get that all out there and be like, you know, now go, go listen to my show. If you want to know what's going on with me, that's got to be pretty cool. You would be surprised just like how nosy people are. People just (laughs) want to know. And so, you know, putting it all out there, just being an open book in that way, I think really scratched an itch for a lot of people and allowed me to be able to like enter the industry without having to always answer all those questions. Or if they do ask those questions, like I have a place to direct people to be like, I think if you read this, you would understand my background more and like how I've come to this industry and like why I operate in the way I operate. (laughs) Yeah. And is the show available for anybody to uh, read, watch, listen anywhere? It's funny that you say that because (laughs) literally yesterday I was just like trimming some like clips from it and I was watching the recording we have from Triskelion Arts and I was thinking, you know, people have asked for this full recording for so long, like they who didn't get a chance to see it, who like I haven't done it since, um, I haven't done like a live performance of, I've done like stage reading Zoom performances and stuff, but I haven't done it since then and people have asked to see it and I've been thinking actually that my life day is coming up the like anniversary of me like finding out I was chronically ill on March 4th and I was thinking like maybe it would be kind of fun to like release the full length musical on my YouTube channel like the video of it so I don't know if people are interested in that maybe I should do that (laughs) that hey that would be really cool that is such a cool way to do you know hey it's been you know this many years since I got my diagnosis here's a celebration of an entire musical about it like I love that (laughs) so I'm wondering I know that you you mentioned a bit about how sometimes people like to ask really personal questions do you have any advice for people without a disability or maybe people without a physical disability uh if they encounter you at an audition or something like what what advice would you have for the questions that they might want to know or just what is appropriate and what's not appropriate to ask you yeah i i always think like a general rule of thumb is like would you ask another actor at this audition that like a similar question that's pertinent to them of level of invasiveness, right? I also feel like if it's not relevant, it doesn't need to be asked. Like I, there's this, not to like keep talking about dysfunction just fine, but there is like my favorite line. No, go for it. Just fine. It's actually about this. And there is this line that's, um, if you do not know my name, you do not need to know my story. I am not obligated to lay my biography on a table that you didn't even set. 
And I love that. <laughs> that is gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, that pretty much sums up how I feel about it. It's like if you don't even know me, like I'm I'm not gonna like put my whole story out there for you. Like you have to like earn the right to know that, in my opinion. Like I I'm not trying to air my whole story all the time. I already did that. I wrote the whole musical about it. Like I don't wanna do that. I did that so I don't have to do this every day and do that emotional labor and for people on the other end of it is like how do they handle those sort of questions i have found that social media has been like a very good tool in that regard youtube in particular i at this point i feel like a lot of why i create youtube videos is because you know i get asked like the same questions all the time so it's like when i get a frequently asked question i'll make a video about it. it's like what is dysautonomia and explaining it. And then like when I don't have the energy one day and someone asks me or like, I don't really know the person super well. And like, I don't, I just don't have the time or the energy to like sit down and explain for two hours, like why, or like what my disability is. I can just give them the link to a video. It's like, I don't have the time like to answer your question, but maybe this video will answer your questions. Um, especially like when people like, you know, sliding in my DMs on Instagram, that sort of thing. But yeah, that's kind of been how I've operated about questions. I mean, if it's casting, if it's not relevant to the character or things like that, I, I mean, they can't ask you what your disability is. (laughs) So, so, you know, I'm very hesitant to answer any question, um, like that but you know if i feel comfortable answering it i you know i'll i might answer even if they ask but it honestly rarely happens because you're not supposed to anyway (laughs) yeah do you have and obviously you don't have to give the answer to this but do you have just like a really off the rails question that you remember somebody asking you that just kind of made you do a double take like where did that come from one time i was in an uber and it's always the Uber drivers. It's, it's always, always the Uber, Uber drivers. drivers. <laughs> Uber drivers are so nosy. And <laughs> I once had an Uber driver ask me like, oh, like, you know, why why do you use a wheelchair? And, you know, that's classic. Like, that's not off the wall at all. Like, that is like daily basis. But, you know, I was just like entertaining it. I answered her question. And she sits there for a little while and then all of a sudden she's like so like can you have kids with that and I was like, <laughs> in my brain i was like ma'am this is a wendy's <laughs> like, i was just so perplexed i was like that's none of your business that's and also go to a freshman I mean, year biology class and you will know the answer to that question <laughs> yeah like that's just an incredibly invasive question and it goes back to what I was saying it's like would you ask any person who's sitting in your back seat like can you conceive like can do you have infertility issues like if you want to ask someone else who doesn't have a disability like why are you asking me like why does my disability make you feel entitled to certain information that's very personal (laughs) 
Yeah. I'll never understand. But yeah, that's probably the most off the wall thing that's uh, ever been asked of me. I mean, and this is someone who literally had only been talking to me for like two minutes. And that's what made it even more off the wall. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering, as an artist with a disability and as somebody who's been very active in your artistic discipline, working professionally, what advice would you give to a younger artist with a disability who's maybe wanting to pursue a career along this trajectory? My advice would be to realize that limitation breeds creativity. And directors that don't see that or how you as a disabled artist can bring an added layer to a character, to an ensemble, are not worth your time. And instead of focusing on people who can't see that, or to focus on things that you feel like you lack in this industry comparatively to your peers, I challenge you to focus on what you can do and what you bring to the table and what makes you special as a performer and what makes you unique because that is what is going to allow you to book and to book consistently. I love that because it really, it really, in this industry, it is about what makes you different as much of a struggle as it is to emphasize your differences and to get work based on that. It really is about what you can do that other people can't. And I really love that mentality going into that. So I am also a little bit curious about what you're planning to do just in the in the future if you have any career goals or anything that you are actively working towards anything that you're maybe hoping to do yeah i would say my biggest goal right now is to join the union joint actors equity association um the union for theater artists that's so probably valid. my biggest yeah my biggest goal right now i've been emc for a few years now and you know I have been building up points I've worked on um, an equity contract but declined to join the union is what it's called when you have to write a letter to equity to um, be able to do an equity contract as a non-union person and what show was that that was um, teenage dick at Seattle rep Okay. Um, That was my first equity contract. And the reason I declined to join the union was because the Grinch tour is non-union. So Mm. if I had joined the union at that time, I wouldn't be able to do Grinch again. Also, I had a fear about joining the union at that time just because I was playing Buck in that show, which is written as a disabled uh, wheelchair user is the part. And so there was a lot of fear for me about joining equity on a niche disabled role and knowing that those niche disabled roles don't, there aren't enough of those to sustain booking just those. And I wanted to prove to myself that I could book more than just the disabled role um, and I could book equity work consistently. So my thought process has just been when I either book Broadway an equity tour, or I can book more than one equity contract in the same year, I will feel ready to join the union. And 
I think I'm on track to make that happen soon-ish. Yay. Yeah. And in the meantime, I Do you have a dream role? You know. Do you have a dream role under your belt that you are really hoping to be able to check off? Ooh, I mean, there's a handful. I would say Nessa Rose in Wicked. I would say Joe in Jagged Little Pill. Yes. Sister Mary Robert in Sister Act. Portia, something rotten. Ooh. Yeah, they're... There's there's probably more I'm forgetting, but those are the ones that come no, to mind. No, those are all great ones. Those are all great ones. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm wondering if you if you've just got any you know last things that you want to say to people, any advice, any if you want to plug any of your socials or any of that. Uh, here's some space to go ahead and do that. Let people know where they can find you and follow what you're doing. Right now, um, I am auditioning like full-time it is a full-time job and endeavor (laughs) at the moment funny how when I was younger I thought like when you booked xyz once I book a you know a probably national tour I'll never have to worry about like you know (laughs) being between gigs or like having a side job ever again and I've just kind of learned the reality of that is that that's not the case it never it never stops like there will always be times where it's slow or things pick up and you just got to ride the wave um but with that being said like you know I do have some really exciting things coming up that the cast haven't been announced yet so like I can't say but I guess this would be a good time to plug my newsletter where I share that kind of stuff it's called message in a bottle um I can give grace the link and yeah I'm Meredith Aaliyah Wells um basically um all the socials that I'm on Instagram YouTube that's pretty much it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm, my website. Well, I will make sure that people have a way to access that. It's what would you say for your website? My website's the same thing, com. Just my name. Nice. <laughs> Keeping it simple. Perfect. Well, if people know how to spell your name, they know where to find you. <laughs> well, this has been such a joy, Meredith. Thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you for chatting with me and sharing your story with everybody. I'm sure that. Everybody listening had as much of a wonderful time hearing from you as I have had talking with you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I am going to go ahead and, and sign off. Thank you for listening to Able Voices today, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much, Meredith. Bye. Voices is a production of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, led by me, Dr. Rhoda Bernard, the founding managing director. It is produced by Daniel Martinez del Campo. The intro music is by Kai Levin, and our closing song is by Sebastian Batista. Kai and Sebastian are students in the arts education programs at the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. If you would like to learn more about our work, Find us online at berkeley.edu slash B-I-A-A-E or email us at B-I-A-A-E at berkeley, that's L-E-E, dot E-D-U.